Welcome back to a 512 edition of Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9. Special shout out to our man Bucky Gobbo. Thank you for sitting in. I know y'all are probably wondering where our man Rob Babers is. He had took an extra day of the holiday. He will be back with us as we do Bevo Boulevard uh, pregame show Friday morning, 7 a.m. We start it all off. He will be back there. But shout out to Bucky for sitting in. As I said, this is a 512 edition of Ball Don't Lie. And my man Patrick Davis will give you the lowdown on who this is and where you can hear them. Patrick? This is Chris Castaneda, and he's going to be out there Sunday at the Rail House in Kyle for the benefit for A.D. Hernandez, the heebie-jeebies ADH project. Had some heart problems, had to get some surgery. He's getting better, but we're throwing him a little benefit because, man, when you're a working musician in this town and then you have to miss almost a full year to recover right. and get back on your right. feet before you can put that stress on your body again, it's a big thing, but it's a, it's gonna be. You can tell it's gonna be a good lineup out there on it Sunday. It sounds like it. I mean, everything that you've been playing, it seems like all the artists are gonna be out there and they are are blowing it up. And I I'm like, man, this is some good soulful music that they're playing yeah. right there. I really dig that. But as we get into this five o'clock hour, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Cowboys versus the Giants. This is a big week for the Dallas Cowboys. It's a short week for the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants as they get ready to play tomorrow, Thanksgiving Day. I think the game kicks off at 3.30. You can hear it right here on the horn. Uh, But I wanted to talk a little bit about this offense of the Dallas Cowboys going up against the defense for the New York Giants. The numbers don't always tell you everything about it. And, you know, this is a divisional game, so things change quite a bit when you start to play the divisional game. And this is one of those times where the Cowboys seem to be trending in the right direction, and the New York Giants, they're dealing with a lot of injuries. They're dealing with a bunch of different situations to where the Dallas Cowboys defense seems to be the one that's going to be keying on Saquon Barkley. Obviously, Daniel Jones has the ability to run as well. But when you look at this defense for the Giants and you say, how are they going to stop this offense of the Dallas Cowboys that seems to be hitting on all cylinders since Dak is back? You know, everybody I had a conversation with one of my good high school friends who is not a he, he's a Dallas Cowboy fan, but he's not a big fan of Dak. And he's talking about that game against Tampa Bay, and he talked about the game against Green Bay. And I'm like, okay, those are two games that Dak didn't play well, looked a little confused. but you, and, and he dealt with that injury in game one. Yeah. But you also have to come back and look at what he's done and how he's performed. And I said the formula is 25 passes or less and do, handling the running game. And Tony Pollard has been a major part of the success that the Cowboys have had. And if you can run the ball, Dak is better with play action than he is just dropping back. But he's also good with the no-back set where you got everybody spread out and he can, as we talked about for Texas Longhorn, quick game, quick game, quick game. He can get the ball out and everybody's recognized on who they are. But when you look at what, Tony Pollard brings to the table. I'm actually the one that's starting to eat a little bit of crow when I kept saying, let's see how many times he can carry the ball and do it Me too, me too. But then, boom, here he is. So what are your thoughts as as Tony Pollard and the Dallas Cowboys go up against this Giants defense? I mean, this is a thing. You've got to run the ball just because this is what the the method for success for the Cowboys is now. Uh, I mean, I think – Originally, I was saying you try and get him like 15 carries a piece between yep. Zeke and Pollard. I think now when you see what Pollard can do, I, I still don't think he's a 30 down, uh, 30 carry back. Right. Just because we've seen him kind of get winded by the end of games. 
So you'd like to keep him around 2025. But I think you still go 2025 and then hopefully just run the ball with Zeke. But you can use Pollard a lot early and Zeke later in games when you got a lead. Because Zeke's right. going to be really good for you keeping the lead, running the ball, and just running clock. But Pollard will go, hey, man, he, he's going to get us that big explosive play and get us an easy touchdown. And then when you throw in the fact of when they talk about uh, Dak Prescott wanting him to run a little bit more, a back like Pollard is one of those great backs to run one of those, uh, just one of those little outs for for Dak where he can just kind of hook out, get to the outside, and let that one defender or two defenders sit and go, well, are you going to let Dak get a first down or are you going to let him – are going to let Pollard get behind you, and he's going to get 60 on you. Right. Like, just those type of plays you can do by a guy because Pollard's been catching the ball really well this season as well. Yeah, and that's the other part of it, too, because he brings so many different key pieces to the game that he can bring as far as catching the ball out of the backfield, catching the ball downfield, catching a short pass and turning it into a big play, or explosive play out of the backfield in the eye position where he's just going to go downhill. But I also believe with Zeke, he they're the yin and the yang of each other as far as the success as a running as a running back in the NFL. We've all talked about it for a very long time, and I even brought it up to Bucky. The way that the NFL is set up, you need to have two good backs. You always need to have two good backs because that's the way the game is being yeah. played. It doesn't. It's not the thirty carry a game guy anymore, unless you're Derrick Henry and you're playing for the Titans. But they're they're set up differently because their quarterback, although he threw for 300 yards last week, is not that guy that you want to put the ball in their hands. And there's a lot of people that say you don't want to put the ball in Dak's hands. But we saw last week against an 8-1, although we've all agreed that that's not the regular 8-1 football team that you're used to seeing as a powerhouse, but they went on the road and they curb stomped that team. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, there's always going to be haters for Dak. There's going to be haters for every quarterback. I mean, we yeah, see people still, we see people hating on Aaron Rodgers right now. Yep. And like and not just for his personality. But, for his, <laughs> but you're going, man, this guy wins back-to-back MVPs and then he comes out this year and you go, "Man, we should have traded him." Right. You're like, "Come on, man. How, what is a what, what does a quarterback have to do? Do they have to win a Super Bowl and MVP every single year for you to not think that they're not good enough?" There's not 30 starting like quality franchise Agreed. starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Dak is one. He's not going to ever probably be a top five quarterback. He can be a top ten quarterback if you put him in the right system and you have him do and, and he starts playing well. I think especially if you're able to add another top wide receiver in there, I think that could help him out as well. A, a big thing is I think when we saw Kellen Moore step into this offense with Cooper Rush mm-hmm. and got to see the plays work yep. and got to see some yak yardage. I think there's a lot of coaches that have problems with yak yardage because you can't see it on paper, right? Mm-hmm. If you're drawing up a pass play on paper and the pass play is, all right, he's going to run out and he's going to run a slant and it, we're going to throw it to him at 15 yards. In the head of the, the, offensive, line, the offensive coach, that's a 15-yard pass. Not thinking, well, I threw this pass for five yards. And they go, that's a five-yard pass. I go, that's not a five-yard pass. Right. He's open. <laughs> He's open. That's a 25-yard pass. Right. Because there's yak, but you can't judge that on a playbook. And some coaches, offensive coaches, get in their head, oh, no, no, I, especially quarterbacks, that, no, no, wherever I throw the ball, that's how many yards the play is. Like, that's not how it works. Right. That's why they get away from run plays. That's why they get away from short yardage passing. And really good offensive play callers can mix in both. Because you go, hey, man, sometimes we need that big play and maybe we'll just get a pass interference and maybe yeah. we'll just get that and that works just as well because all we need, we want that one big chunk in one throw. But throughout an entire game, especially when you have a defense, if you don't have a defense, it may be different. 
But the right. Cowboys have a defense. The whole key is, hey, man, we need to control time of possession and we need to get it into the end zone more than we kick field goals. Right. And if we can do those two things, because we know we're going to be able to get down the field. Because our defense is going to be We know able, our yeah. offense will move the ball. Correct. Because we have enough talent on the offensive end that if we're not moving the ball at all, then fine, fire Kellen Moore, fire Mike McCarthy. I don't think that's the problem. It's the problem of getting red zone plays, getting into the end zone, and time of possession. Right. And it's going to continue to be that. And as we speak about the Dallas Cowboys, joining us at the bottom of the hour uh, during Rod's rant of the day, we'll be talking to Kyle Yeomans, who's the the pregame TV host and the postgame TV host for the Dallas Cowboys. And you can actually hear him on some of the pregame stuff as well. He's done a great job. He's actually done some play-by-play for the Cowboys, too, and uh, during the, the spring or excuse me, during the preseason, and he's been able to do that, and he's going to join us again, and you've heard him here with us before. But as we talk about the Dallas Cowboys and when you start to look at what Dak is going to present on on the passing side of the ball, we're going to talk a little bit of the defense, but on the passing side of the ball, in, in the previous meetings versus in the previous meeting versus the Giants, Cooper Rush was able to throw for 215 yards at one touchdown, and he had a QBR of 104. And that's when everybody was like, Cooper needs to be our quarterback. He needs to be yeah. our quarterback. But it's they are they're both teams are different now. Both teams are in a different place. We didn't think the the Giants were going to be that great as we went through the season because we were expecting a little bit of a fall-off. Then we also didn't know what the offense was going to be for the Dallas Cowboys during that time. And remember, at one point, Cooper Rush, I think, threw for 100 yards in a game, and people were still trying to figure that out. But as this team starts to roll, and Dallas, since, since uh, Dak Prescott has been back, this team seems to be finding their groove. They they go up there and beat the snot out of Minnesota Vikings, uh, but the defense played well. All parts of the game was on point. Dak was 22 of 25. One of the passes in the end zone, the Dalton Schultz, was dropped. So he might have even been even better than that. So as we're heading into this day, uh, Turkey Day, when the Dallas Cowboys takes on the Giants, do you think you see Dak and you mentioned him, Kellen Moore has gotten better with the play calling, it yeah. seems to be, has changed the way that you look at the game. What do you see Dak and Kellen Moore coming up with this week? I mean, I think when you saw what you did last time, this was kind of one of the bigger Pollard games early in the season was yes. against the Giants last time. They had 176 yards on the ground and 30 rushes. You can easily knock that up to 40 rushes in this game. right? And so if you say, hey, man, let's knock that up, that was rushes up, because we feel like we're going to be able to score a little bit earlier, so we're not necessarily having to throw as much later in the game. And knock down the passes down to about 25. I think that's your your method for success. And, you know, I know it's easy to say you have to score early. Yep. But again, you should be able to score on this Giants defense. You should be able to go. And the Cowboys really haven't had trouble getting into field goal range. We saw Maher field goal range is pretty far from Pretty Maher. far. <laughs> but yeah. that's the thing is, how many, can you keep the drives alive? And that's going to be not taking a bunch of big shots over the top and, and kind of just throwaway plays that Kellen Moore likes to do and all offensive coordinators like to have right. because when you get them, they're great. But it's like a, a you know it's like a 6'2 point guard trying to go out of center and dunk on him. <laughs> right. It's awesome when it happens. John Morant. But a lot of times <laughs> you get blocked or the ball gets out right. or you get fouled and you got to shoot free throws. Right. So you just got to go, hey, man, just be smart about it in the beginning of this game. Don't try and get cute. But you can get cute with Pollard. Right. You can get cute short, but don't try and throw the ball way downfield a bunch of times because if you get behind schedule, 
that's when you start to get behind, and that's when you have to start throwing the ball more. And, I mean, Daniel Jones, I, I don't know in a short week how you bounce back. Yep. That he's got to bounce back after he, probably his worst performance as a pro, at least his worst performance when we thought he was getting better. Right. Like his, first, his worst performance this season. So to, to see him kind of bounce back on a, on a very short week, not being with the family, having to take off, play his big national televised game, right. and everyone's looking at you, and Micah Parsons salivating because he wants <laughs> he wants a, a a Daniel Jones leg. He don't want a turkey leg. <laughs> he don't he want a Daniel Jones leg. leg. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think you know, hey man, we need to get a lead because if we put the ball in his hands and not Saquon Barkley's, we we know we got this game. Right, and that's the thing that the Cowboys are going to try to do. They're going to try to take away the run game and make Daniel Jones throw the ball to a depleted receiving core that continues to fall apart as you as you continue this season. Both teams coming into both teams are coming into this game 7 and 3 and they know that they're they're both chasing the Philadelphia Eagles. They're going to need some help as this goes along, but and more importantly, the Cowboys are looking to win this game and I'm looking right now at the Dallas Cowboys injury report and we'll ask our man Kyle to to kind of check this out but you start looking at some of the injuries that the Cowboys have Anthony Barr is going to be out uh Kelvin Joseph who by the way I'm really not feeling him at the <laughs> defensive back position I don't know if it's just because he doesn't have enough work on the field yet and he's still trying to figure it out I saw last week they had um uh Anthony Brown back out there playing uh, cornerback. I was still trying to figure out why he was out there. And then I saw boss man Fats out there, Kelvin Joseph. He didn't still look good to me. I'm just really curious to how some of this injuries are going to how these injuries are going to play out. Micah Parsons has a knee and an ankle. He was limited in practice. He's listed as questionable. And some of the players on the defense are listed as questionable. But you look across at the uh, – the Giants, they are missing a ton of guys, and most of them are on the offensive line. Even more reason to think that the Dallas Cowboys are yeah. going to be able to get in the backfield and, and corral Saquon Barkley. And that's a big one is, yeah, if you can – and that's another one. If you can just slow down Saquon Barkley, yeah. then they have to throw it that way, and you don't even have to worry about getting a lead or anything else, then, yeah, then you're, you're dominating then because – you know, we saw last week that uh, Trayvon Diggs basically was shadowing Justin Jefferson around the field. And, man, that was a statement game from Trayvon Diggs. Yes. To go against a wide receiver who's been having a year against anybody he wants. Uh, but you say, on the other end, the, the downside of having a Trayvon Diggs is that the ball's not going over there. Right. So he don't, he's right. shutting your guy down, but you know if they're throwing 30 passes, 28 of them are probably going to be to another <laughs> side of the field. For sure. And, and that's where these other guys, I think, are not necessarily – stepping up because they're not used to having that amount of uh, passes thrown their right, way. Right, They're used to, hey, man, well, we're going to get it, you know, every once in a while they'll come my way, but it won't, my guy won't be open. It'll be a check down. Like, no, man, they're scheming plays for your guy because they know Trayvon <laughs> Diggs has the number one shut down, and the Giants don't have a number one. Yep. So you can stick whoever you want on that side of the field, and they're not necessarily going to – Trayvon Diggs ain't shadowing anybody – <laughs> so right. you can kind of draw right. it up how you want and go, all right, we're going to switch it out and put this guy over here, and whoever we want, scheme it open. We're just not throwing to Trayvon Diggs this game. Yeah, Just at the beginning of the play, Daniel Jones, and you look wherever he's at, 
don't even turn your head back that way. <laughs> right. That's not what we're going to do. We don't even want to see your eyes. <laughs> That's right. You're going to have to trick a lot of people. Yeah, this is going to be a big game, and this is a, a, a transitional game for that division. As we talked about just a little while ago, they are each trying to gain ground on the Philadelphia Eagles in this team. Whoever wins this game is putting themselves in the driver's seat. If the, Cowboy win, the Cowboys win this game, they've already beaten – the the uh, Giants one time this will put them ahead of them if they have to come down to a, a tiebreaker situation the Cowboys will be ahead of them as they continue to move forward this is I, I'm excited for Thanksgiving Day I always love this game because this is the one time where everybody in the family is together whether you're a Cowboy fan or not you either rooting for the Cowboys or you're rooting against them and and everybody's still trying to enjoy their food but yet still trying to watch this game. So I'm really excited for that. I'll tell you a story, a fun one. So last Thanksgiving, we go, and I'm watching the game on my phone. At my, my brother's place, my family's all there. I'm watching the game on my phone, and my dad's like, oh, just put it on the TV. I'm like, ah, oh, don't worry about it. Like, I, I'm good. I'll watch it on my phone. I don't, we don't need to, I don't even make everybody watch the game. Right, right. And so he's like, no, no. My brother's like, yeah, put it on the TV. The game's on TV for <laughs> two minutes. And there's a call on the field. And it's one of those rules that they made. I can't remember what it was now. But it was something like a, a, a completion of a pass or a fumble or something like that where the rule doesn't seem right, but it is what the rule is. Right. And my dad doesn't watch enough NFL anymore to know the rule change. And so he's just like, well, that's not. like it's whatever, Let's say it's a fumble. He's like, well, that's not a fumble. And I'm like, it is. It is. It's a fumble. And he's like, no, no, no. But it's not because he was and I'm like, I'm just telling you it is. And he's like, no, this is, this is BS. This is stupid. <laughs> and I was like. Can we turn the game back off again? I watched it on my phone. Can I just watch it on my phone? I was trying to not cause any problems. You want to put on? Like I wasn't worried about the game. I was worried about you getting mad because how they call the game now. Right? Yeah. That's that. That's hey. That's normally how it goes over at Thanksgiving. People are either going to be on or off with the Cowboys, and I can't wait for it. I'm excited for these games tomorrow. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk to our man Kyle Yeomans as he is up in the at Frisco mostly in Arlington, talking about these Dallas Cowboys, and we're going to get the latest as he brings it here. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. Welcome back to a 512 edition of Ball Don't Lie. My man Patrick Davis is breaking down some music, letting us know about some local artists and where they'll be playing. There's a benefit that's going on. Patrick, what you got here? This is Stupid Drama, and they're going to be playing part of that benefit Sunday at the Railhouse for A.D. Hernandez. A.D. Hernandez. And I think I may have buried the lead with A.D. Hernandez. You probably did. He's from the 254. Oh, well, hey, and guess who's on the line on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Highline? Another person that is from the <laughs> 254. He represents the Dallas Cowboys every week. You can follow him at Kyle underscore Yeomans at, uh, on Twitter. But he's also one of the guys that I've been done a lot of work with throughout these years, and he's taught me a lot in this business. He's a good friend of mine, and he covers the Dallas Cowboys, my man Kyle Yeomans. Kyle, what's going on, brother? What up, Big Mike? And, yeah, representing the 254, get a chance to, to come home for the holidays for a little bit. Uh, of course, after the, the Cowboys game concludes. they got to wait until uh, until a little bit later on Thursday than everybody else. But 
Excited to get back down there to the uh, to the Central Texas area, man. And it's always good to talk to you because, you know, you got so much insight when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys. And not only that, you've been doing a great job with all your college basketball games, volleyball games. You're just a man about the city <laughs> and still covering the Dallas Cowboys. So let's get right into it. It's a big game this week, but let's go back to last week when the Cowboys went up to Minnesota and uh, put – pretty much curb stomped the the Minnesota Vikings, an 8-1 team. Dallas came in there. They looked very focused. And what was your takeaway from that game as you watched it? You know, it was one of those games where everything came to fruition. It was all three phases, yep. offense, defense, special teams. It all clicked. And it kind of needed to click at one point because – the, the offense didn't, of course, finish out what they had in Green Bay. They had a 14-point lead. You were up 28-14. You, you had that lead in Green Bay. They felt like that one slipped away, not on their – or not a, because Green Bay was a better team, but because Dallas lost that game. They, that's what they really felt, and they came into that Minnesota matchup with a chip on their shoulder going up against a team that, of course, was 8-1, and one, had shown the NFL that they were certainly a contender as well. Uh, and the fact that they went and won that game the way that they did was a huge confidence boost. It was uh, a confidence boost for Dak Prescott and the offense and the offensive line going up against a stout front seven of Minnesota. It was a confidence boost for the defense that got back to the relentless pass rush and stopping the run that they had shown early in the season. And then what else could you say about Brett Maher as well? Because uh, Maher going four of four on kicks, two of which from over 50 yards out, had a fantastic day. It was one of those games that, that were a dream for the Cowboys, and uh, they were certainly happy with the way it turned out, and they, they want to try and continue that success in the future. So let me talk about that because we've been very critical – of Dallas and their special teams coming into the season. We didn't know, last time we talked to you, we didn't know who the kicker was going to be. And yeah. they finally went back out, got Brett Marhar, brought him back. And talk about what he's been able to bring, the consistency of the kicking game that they've missed for quite some time. Yeah, that's huge because, like you said, I mean, we were talking about Jonathan Garibay and Liram Hiralahu <laughs> early in the season – and instead, it's just it's it was Brett Maher who came out on top. We had no clue what it was going to look like from a kicking situation. And not only did they go out and they found a Brett Maher off of the street that, of course, had not had a ton of success recently, but now he comes in with this new added confidence. So uh, it's a credit to the scouting department. It's a credit to the coaching staff and, and the look that they got by seeing – uh, Maher in the tryout and knowing that he was the right one for the job. And then it's also a huge credit to Brett Maher. It, it really easily could have gotten away from him again. You miss one or two kicks, and of course it snowballs in the National Football League. So the fact that he has converted the way that he has has been a huge plus, and he's become a very uh, a very high, highly respected individual in the locker room and somebody that the guys like to rally around. Kyle, you know, we've been talking a lot about the lack of run defense from the Dallas Cowboys, and then you bring in a, a man like Hankins, and he's supposed to, to you know, bring that presence on the defensive line. And now I think he's dealing with an illness, and, and Anthony Barr may not go. It looks like he may he, that, that he's not going to go. Uh, Dante yeah. Fowler, uh, 
Talk about the injuries that the Cowboys are going to be faced with coming into this week. Yeah, it's it's really big right now because of, uh, especially because New York comes in really banged up in their own right. Yes. I mean, they're missing four of their five starting offensive linemen from last week, uh, or guys that would have started yep. at some point last week. So the fact that they're banged up up front, you thought that would be an advantage, right? Well, not so fast because now you've got guys that are questionable like Neville Gallimore, Jonathan Hankins, Dante Fowler Jr., uh, Demarcus Lawrence, Osa Digizua, Donovan Wilson, Micah Parsons, all these guys are listed as questionable for tomorrow's game. And some of them are because of injuries. Osa is a knee. Micah Parsons is a knee and an ankle. I, I'm, I'm almost certain Micah Parsons is probably going to go. Yeah, he's, he's a that monster. Type of competitor. Yeah. yeah, he's going to find his way back out there. And I could say the same thing about Demarcus Lawrence, but now instead of just dealing with a foot injury, he's dealing with an illness as well. Something going through the defensive room and the defensive meetings at the moment have kept Fowler and Gallimore and Hankins and Joseph and Wilson and, uh, like I said a second ago, Demarcus Lawrence from being full foregone conclusions that they will play come uh, Thursday afternoon. So it's a it's a big question mark because at first you thought of it as an advantage, but luckily for the Cowboys, if there was a side of the football that could lose a couple of starters due to an illness, kind of a virus like this going around, it would probably be the, the defensive side of the football for sure. We're talking to Kyle Eumanns. Um, You can follow him at Kyle underscore Eumanns. He's the TV host, pregame, postgame, draft analysis for the Dallas Cowboys. He is all things Cowboys, so make sure that you give him a follow. And one of the biggest stories of the season thus far has been the development of Tony Pollard. We've talked about Tony Pollard for quite some time now. He's He's been as – as advertised, he's been very explosive. But there's also this part that we keep talking about with Ezekiel Elliott, the balance that they are, are showing. And it's almost like they've become this thunder and lightning type of package where, you know, you need those short, tough yards. That's where Zeke will come in and make it happen. He's always been great as a pass blocker. But if you need an explosive play, whether it's in the screen game, the passing game where he's lined up in a slot or just – big plays from the running back position, Tony Pollard has been that guy. Talk about that relationship and how they both continue to mature together. Yeah, it really has been. And it's a credit to, to Kellen Moore and and what he's done as well from a defensive standpoint, or excuse me, from an offensive coordinator standpoint, of putting those guys in a position to be successful. I mean, Tony Pollard, he's always been that explosive uh, player. He's always been that guy that you need a big play. He's the one that's going to get it. But over the last four games, he's got four straight games with over 100 yards from scrimmage. He's averaging six and a half yards per carry. Oh, and by the way, he had two receiving touchdowns as well, which is something we knew was a possibility uh, during his time coming out of Memphis as well. So it, it's been a huge plus, a weapon of this offense that has started to emerge and something that they've really needed was some versatility out of the backfield because they've always had the one-two punch, but you weren't sure if you could do it on their own or they could they could do it on their own with Zeke by himself or with Tony by himself at this point in their career. Now you're starting to see that they are certainly capable of carrying the load if the other one is unable to go, and that is a huge plus for this offense, and it continues to add uh, to the element that they have of trying to establish the ground game, run behind this offensive line, and set up the play action for Dak Prescott. 
So speaking of Dak Prescott, before we let you go, I wanted to talk about what Dak was able to do last week. And I wanted to ask you, in your personal opinion, and this is not talking head or anything like that, what is the hatred of the of Dak. Why don't people believe that Dak is the guy? Whether he puts up great numbers like he did last week or mm-hmm. people always revert to the fact that what he did against Green Bay, I still don't get it. I think the Dallas Cowboys are better with Dak Prescott as the quarterback. And to be honest with you, the numbers kind of say so themselves. Yeah. No, I agree with you, and it's it, the dominant of him of what he's been able to do against the NFC East is unbelievable. I mean, you talk about some of the records that he has against these teams: one loss against Washington, one loss uh, against New York, two losses against New York, three all-time against Philadelphia. He has dominated within his division. I think partially the 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 hatred for Dak just comes from the frustration of not winning those big games. And and by big games, I really mean playoff games. Right. He hasn't had a ton of playoff success. And at some point, it is warranted the fact that there is criticism coming from the fan base or coming from outside uh, the fan base that say, hey, Dak can't get it done. He only has the one playoff win. And it came early in his career, even with as good of a team or as good of an offensive line or even weapons around him that he's had, there still hasn't been that playoff success. And, and especially coming off of a year when you lose a game like you did in the wild card round against San Francisco, that criticism is going to be there. The way to silence that, and he knows this, the organization knows this, coaching staff, the players in that locker room know this, the way you silence that is you win in playoff time. You yeah. win in crunch time. You take those big games. They took a big game last week. That was a good team in Minnesota. That's a team that's going to win double-digit games. They're going to be in the playoffs. They're most likely going to win the NFC North, barring some monumental collapse. <laughs> that is that is a really good Minnesota team, and you took them to the woodshed in their own stadium. So keep that energy, take it into the playoffs, and all of a sudden that criticism will start to silence. It'll start to fade away. But up to that point, that's really the only thing you can criti- criticize Dak for. He's a leader. He's produced st- statistically. He's won plenty of regular season games, but the one knock on his resume is he hasn't performed the same way, or at least he hasn't won the same way in the postseason as he has in the regular season. Well, that's that's one way of looking at it, Kyle. And you know, I expected you to break it down just like that, my friend. <laughs> I did, I did. There he is, Kyle Humans. Make sure you follow him at Kyle underscore Humans on Twitter. He's got a great follow, and he gives out a lot of information. He's all over the place, and if you follow his Twitter, you will see and believe that he is all over the place. Man, happy holidays. <laughs> it's always good catching up to you, and I hope you and the missus uh, have a happy Thanksgiving and I'll talk to you soon, buddy. All right, Big Mike. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you guys as always. Always, always. There he is, breaking it down like no other. And, and you know, he just broke down something about Dak Prescott that I kind of have to swallow a little bit because it's true. The big playoff games is the biggest answer, and that's what Dallas Cowboy fans hang their hat on. His yeah. record is great, but – they want them playoff yeah. wins, and rightfully so. I, I get that, and I, I I agree with that a whole wholeheartedly. I do think there's something to be said of you have to make the playoffs, right? And, I agree, and that's something the Cowboys have not done many years with different quarterbacks. So I, I get it. I don't think 
I don't think they necessarily have another option on that team who is a quarter a playoff quarterback. Right. Right. I, I mean, I'm not. I, I'm a bigger fan of Dak than a lot of people are. I, I don't. I. I don't think that being a system quarterback and being a quarterback that needs a coach to work with him is a bad thing. Right. I think that's a really good thing if it's used correctly because there's only a few guys who just have raw talent and, and the brains to be able to walk out there and go, oh, no, I can call this offense. Like Not everybody's Peyton Manning right. who can walk out and go, no, no, I can call the plays. I'm, I'm good like that. Yeah, You need to have somebody like uh, – if you have someone like that, you need to have somebody in his ear. And I, But what's been good is the whole Cooper Rush thing – has helped Kellen Moore learn more of, oh, that's how you communicate with the quarterback. It's easier for me to communicate with Cooper Rush because I'm used to sitting in a room with him, and it's he's not on the field, right. he's beside me. I think that's helped a lot, and hopefully that's ta- that taking the step towards being a winning playoff quarterback. Yeah, well, that's what everybody's waiting for, being a winning playoff quarterback. Well, he doesn't have to be in the playoffs just yet. He just needs to play like he's in the playoffs tomorrow when they take on the New York Giants. Yes, sir. We'll be back with Off the Record, and Patrick has something that uh, it's going to be very interesting, and he'll break it all down for you on Off the Record. Coming up next, right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. I'm the king of hearts And maybe you can be my queen Together our love Welcome back to a 512 edition of Ball Don't Lie where we find out local bands, where they'll be playing. There's a benefit going on, and our man Patrick Davis will give it to us right now. This is Tom Meany, and he is playing part of that benefit Sunday at the Rail House down in Kyle, kicking things off at 3 p.m. Uh, great singer-songwriter, and just the fact that he paid for the Red Raiders, I won't hold it against him. Oh, that's a good point. Thank you for looking out for that. <laughs> We're going to do a real quick uh, off the record. This is something that will be taking place Tomorrow, during the Dallas Cowboy game, and I found it very interesting that this is the group that the Cowboys decided to have. Yeah, so every year, the Cowboys, like the Thanksgiving Day Cowboys, Jerry Jones takes it upon himself to make sure there is a, a halftime show. It's his Super Bowl every year. He's like, look, we may not make it a Super Bowl, but we're going to throw our own party. And uh, they've had a bunch of great ones. The one that everybody remembers is that awful Creed one. Yes. Do you remember that great halftime show? Awful. With the guys floating around? Yes. Everybody remembers that one. Uh, but this one, they're going with the Jonas Brothers. Wait, what? Yeah, all right. So I thought the Jonas Brothers were a thing, and then they all went their separate ways like a decade ago. I feel like it's been a while. <laughs> I don't know who this is for. Because I get if they are still the kid band that you're like, look, it's Thanksgiving and dad's Bogart and the TV. But then the kids give some for the kids too and the family. I get that, but I don't think they're like I don't think they're that band anymore, are they? Uh, I would not know anything about. You're the one with kids, so yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't. I there's no way that I don't think my kids know anything about the Jonas Brothers. But I will say, my uh, my niece would definitely know a lot about the Jonas Brothers. As a matter of fact. She was mad at me one time when I was at the other station and I didn't get her Jonas Brothers tickets. So I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Yeah, no, they, uh, so they've played it before. They have done, Jonas Brothers have done it before. To tell you how old these guys are now, that they should not be the teen heartthrobs anymore, they did it in 2008. Wow. So they did it 15 years ago. Ay, ay, 14, 15 years ago. That, that's that's when they were popular in the band. Like, and I know they all have their own things now, but I don't quite get. I don't. I guess they're good reuniting, and Jerry Jones 
Is that a touch that he's like, ah, oh, they played here like last year? Jerry Jones is making sure, hey, guys, let's bring them back. Why couldn't he get his buddy Post Malone over there? Because uh, that would have actually been cooler. Yeah, I mean, that's his buddy when they were they're making it rain on their players with schedules. <laughs> exactly. The weirdest <laughs> flex you can have. Yeah, that is very true. Yeah, I, I don't understand that. I don't, I don't get it. I don't know who it's for. Is it like what's it's, the group? It's that you such think a is small demographic of people. They're like, uh, well, you know, we're all watching the game, and then you know that girl who still lives at home, but she's like, <laughs> she's still in that childhood bedroom, and she's just been complaining all day. Like, I don't even like this. You cook the turkey too dry. I don't even like. Oh, Jones Brothers. Oh, I uh, think I need to come out of the room and watch this. this is, that, show. is that who it's for? It's got to be. That's the only person I can think of. Is like the twenty-four-year-old, twenty-five-year-old. Like went to college and it didn't work out, but then gets a job, but then she does not really like the job. She's like, "Well, no, but I want to be an actress." You're like, "You're 26 years old. You ain't gonna be an actress." Yeah, that's not gonna work. You for ain't me. never even taken an acting class. No, I don't think that's gonna work for me. <laughs> and if it's if it works for you, please hit us up on the Specs text line five one two three three seven three seven seven six. I would love to know if this is for you or your kids. Let's say that. Let's or or your middle aged daughter, maybe. Yeah, maybe your yeah. middle aged daughter. <laughs> Let's just yeah, say no, that. And this is for all the people still living at home. That's yep. all I can think. That'll be good. How about the moms? I, you know, would the moms be a part of this? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe I. But I figure moms Young still moms. like decent music. Yep. <laughs> Like, don't you think moms listen? I don't want to disparage moms by saying they listen to bad music. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't and know. Honestly, about I can't that. tell you. I don't know what the Jonas Brothers sound like anymore. I didn't hear them when the first time they came out. Yeah, so I'm I have not, no I, idea what I they're doing now. I was never a big Jonas Brothers. Maybe they're death metal band now. Who knows? <laughs> Might be perfect. I can tell you, Jerry Jones show. don't know. Yeah, Jerry. I, I think they're big Dallas Cowboy fans, though. I think they are huge Cowboy fans. Cool. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan too. I should not be performing at halftime. <laughs> I'm not a Dallas Cowboys fan. But I was going to say, when did that happen? I'm not a Cowboys fan. I, I, I knew that look, was true. I, I'm, rooting, I'm rooting for him. Yeah. I'm rooting for him on Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. But I don't know if I believe that the Jonas Brothers are going to – let's put it like this. I know in my house, they will, everybody will not stop eating to be able to watch the Jonas Brothers at halftime. I promise you that. I no. think everybody will continue. No, see, this I, is not a halftime show like the Super Bowl. No. See, I'm the I'm the type of guy, if I have the game on, I'm playing music on another speaker. <laughs> so I have music on, the game going, other music happening, and then at halftime you'll be laughing because it'll be some Al Green and the Jonas Brothers on stage doing a coordinated dance. Exactly. You're going to be looking around like, hey, how did, <laughs> when did they start singing Al Green, Frankie, oh. Beverly, and May? Oh, these guys sound good. Oh, it's other bands. <laughs> Man, Jerry Jones always finding something to think that he's going to bring other people into the party. I don't. I just don't see that happening. This might be the first time that everybody listens to the halftime talks by other talking heads on TV. We'll get back into it. We got one hour left before we are off until Friday morning right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn.